Good evening, and welcome to my View from the Rim podcast. Uh, this special edition, as uh, the Lib, uh, as in the Snake River Lib, will be hosting tonight. Yes, it's me. I'm the same person, but we're taking a little bit different perspective. I hope that you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. The reason that I'm over here uh, on this is because a lot of times people get confused when it talk when you start talking about Christianity and 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 being Christian like and and such like that. People start to to muddy the waters in many many different ways. You know they they start looking at uh, comparing you to socialists and you know that in fact Democrats are notorious for that. In, in making the uh, assumption that, you know, that you should want to contribute to help the poor. Now, mind you, of course, uh, the Savior, Jesus Christ, did instruct us to always to take care of the poor, that we want to be counted amongst the sheep as opposed to the goats. However, having a government entity take money from you by coercion or force or the threat of jail or or what have you to give to the poor is in no ways charitable i mean it's really as simple as that and so to to try to define somebody on based on whether or not they support the government stealing money from you through taxation to give to the poor and say, well, if you don't support that, then you're not a true Christian, which it's interesting, of course, that the people who, who scream separation of church and state pull that card, but we're so gullible it seems, the American people, that for some reason we allow that to go on. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about logical, rational case for believing in God and for doing good works. And I wanted to begin, first of all, by talking about Pascal, Blaise Pascal. He was a French mathematician and physicist, 1623 to 1662. And one of the things that Pascal is famous for besides his uh, defense of the scientific method and besides his involvement in these mathematical sciences, is he made a brilliant case for believing in God and why we should believe in God just from a 
particularly selfish point of view. And to sum it up, it's very simple. He said, if you live your life believing in God and acting accordingly, and it turns out that uh, God doesn't exist, which, by the way, he was a religious man, and so he did believe uh, in God. as did most scientists of the era. What are you out? You've lived your life benefiting your fellow man. Conversely, if you don't believe in God, and so you act accordingly to that position, And then you die, and you're standing at the tribunal all at once. Things are a little bit different, aren't they? And you find yourself amongst the goats, those that Jesus knew not, and cast them out. And so, just from a logical point of view, it would make sense to act on a belief in God. Now, having said that, I would tell you that there's evidence of God everywhere you look. If you're looking with an eye of faith, meaning that you have a desire to believe in God. That miracles abound. The logic of how the universe is set up or the universe that we know of is set up how we have the seasons. The sun rising every morning, or rather the earth revolving. So it all gets sunlight, unlike poor little Mercury, where you either freeze to death or you're baked. People would say, well, that's just that's just science. That's just astrophysics. Yeah, you're right, it is. But God is a God of order. And so it's no surprise. But I want to tell you why, based on what Pascal said... Why acting selfishly will bring you closer to God. And for that, we have to have a little bit of understanding. And so while I am going to explain here briefly, which you've probably heard a number of times, uh, 
I know that he talks about it a lot over on the rim, the plan of salvation, God's plan of happiness, etc. So he's explained that a lot. But let me let me just explain it to you because this is doctrine, and then it's going to be according to Phil or the lib or whatever you want to say. So the plan of salvation starts before the creation of the earth where all of us as the spirit children of the Heavenly Father were presented with this plan where we were to come down to earth, we were to receive a mortal body, we are to go through mortality, learning, growing, experiencing, all sorts of things. And then we would die. And then we would be resurrected and judged. And this was all according to plan. This was the plan from the beginning. This wasn't a case of Eve and Adam screwed up in the Garden of Eden. That was part of the plan too. Jesus, as our elder brother in spirit, presented himself and said, I will go down and I will take upon myself the sins of the world and I will die and I will be resurrected so that all can live again. And that if people are obedient, if they have faith in God and they repent of their sins, which repentance, by the way, is a direct action, of faith as is striving to keep the commandments then when we are judged that Christ's grace will be sufficient for us and we will return to live with our Heavenly Father that was the plan Lucifer had a different idea it was a lie from the very beginnings but I want to talk about what Lucifer's plan was because you might hear some familiarity in today's life. Lucifer said, send me and I will go down and I will make sure that everybody is obedient. Now, remember, this is all a lie. He was going to take away our ability to choose. He was going to take away our ability to learn and grow. And so after we live our life, which in reality would become meaningless uh, in Lucifer's plan, meaningless for everyone except for him, we would all come back. And because we all came back, Lucifer should be glorified above the Father. Lucifer wanted to take away the most precious gift that our Heavenly Father had to give us, which was the ability to choose and to be able to learn right from wrong and to choose to do the right. Satan was going to force us, in his mind, to do good. No choice. No having faith required. 
we don't know what the consequences were when people would choose not to do it. And it doesn't matter because it was it was an impossibility. It was all a lie. And so those of us who have come to live on this earth from Adam and Eve to present day and to when people stopped coming to earth chose to father follow Heavenly Father's plan. Jesus came down, lived a sinless life in spite of Satan's attempts to, to stop it, took upon himself the sins of the world, past, present, future sins, allowed himself to die, and was resurrected on the third day. The plan was fulfilled. The only question is, what do we do about it? Now, we're going to be judged at some point based on the knowledge that we have in this lifetime. Because if you don't know right from wrong, is it fair for you to be judged according to a right from wrong standard? We will all be judged based on the knowledge of God's plan that we have all on earth. Are you with me so far? So, where does the selfishness come in, right? You're probably wondering, it feels nuts, you know, because, you know, Christ himself said we have to give up everything. Well, that's true. We do. But in doing so, why are we doing it? If we are giving up everything so that we can return to live with God, is that not in and of itself a selfish motivation? After all, you know, we're told that we need to bend our will to the Father's will, and that's absolutely correct. But if we bend our will to the Father's will, so that we're being obedient to the Father, so that we can return to live with Him, are we not in a manner being very selfish? I mean, just because we choose to impart some of what we have to others, to reach a hand out to someone in a time of need, to care for the sick, the afflicted, to bind up the wounded, to visit in prison and in hospitals, 
during this season, especially as we try to find ways to light the world, but all year round in reality. Why are we doing it? Well, we're doing it because we've been commanded to, right? But more than being commanded to, because he who is commanded in all things is a slothful servant. Pretty sure I've read that somewhere before. We have to want to do it. And to want to do it, we have to be motivated to do it. We're not commanded to be martyrs. Now, at some point, we know based on prophecy that things are going to get really, really bad. And ultimately, we may end up being martyrs to the cause of truth. where we choose to follow Christ, even if that comes at the payment of our own lives, which very well, well, we know it will happen at some point. But we're not commanded to drudge through this life giving away everything that we have to help others. Now, make no mistake, we're commanded to help out our fellow men. It's our attitude that makes a difference. And if we are willingly, cheerfully striving to do our Father's will, what is our reward? And if there's a reward, how can you not say that there's a certain amount of selfishness to it? Christ died for each of us. And he died for all of us. Don't get me wrong. He paid the price for all mankind. But he also suffered for each of us individually. And at some day, some day in the future, after we've passed this life into the next, we will be standing alone before God as individuals to be judged. And that judgment will be based on what did we do with the knowledge that we had? For somebody who'd never heard of Jesus Christ, but yet was an exemplar to the laws and traditions of their culture, they will be counted amongst the sheep. 
because they are people that, had they heard of Christ and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, would have accepted it. And there have been billions who have never heard of Jesus Christ. Is it a fair God that just shoves them off the cliff? Of course not. What about those who were not diligent with the knowledge that they had? They'll have some accountability for that. And they'll be judged by a loving God, and they will be given a kingdom that they can stand to live in. What about those who are forced to the knee to confess that Jesus is the Christ? Which everyone will either willingly do so or will have no choice but to do so. A lesser kingdom for them. Christ did die for all of us. And all of us will be resurrected. So when I say to you, That you're looking out for number one by looking out for yourself. Or perhaps you'll use a term that I use frequently, that my life matters. What are you going to do about that? By willingly surrendering your will to the Father's. And by cheerfully doing the things that the Father would have you do. You're building your reward in the kingdom of God. Isn't that motivation enough? Sadly, it's not, of course. You know, I love Ayn Rand. She was an atheist. But I can understand why she came from some religious traditions where she saw religion perverted, not by the masses or even by um, the clergy in general. But she had a view of it that would cause even the strongest to doubt. She was not against being charitable. She was against forced charity. Or she was against peddlers of misery. I find my beliefs 
to be completely compatible with what she termed the virtue of selfishness. Which, by the way, is not a very long book. It's actually a pretty good book to read, Virtue of Selfishness. Is it wanting the most out of eternity a worthy desire? even if we have to lose our will by surrendering our will to the will of the Father to get it. It doesn't mean we become martyrs, like I said. It doesn't mean that we trudge through this life. Man is that he might have joy. It's out of the Book of Mormon, for those that don't know. It all has to do with attitude. If we have to be commanded by clergy, by government, by whomever, we are unworthy and unprofitable servants. We have to reach out and do the things that we know are right based on our knowledge on this earth simply because like Blase Pascal said wouldn't it be better to do the right things and then if you cease to exist what are you out but if you don't do the right things and there is a God and there is a judgment, and you chose to ignore those things, where are you going to be standing? My life matters. Does yours? This is the Lib hosting the view from the rim tonight. I know God lives. I know his gospel has been restored. And that's my view from the rim. Good night.